0: I don't know if you've been following the uh, collapse of FTX. It has been <laughs> astounding. Now, this was the poster child of sort of why the bridge between crypto and the, and the other world of finance, the more established world of finance. Um, there was a bankruptcy hearing, a Chapter 11 hearing in Delaware yesterday, where restructuring attorney James Bromley said that a substantial amount of assets have been stolen or are missing. Now, there are more than a million creditors who've lost money here who invested in this crypto exchange before it went completely down the drain. Sam Bankman-Fried was the CEO. He was, you may have seen his name. He was a darling of the finance world. Uh, This is yet another story of a CEO who oversaw something that appeared to be one thing and turned out to be something very different. The story is familiar. The crypto part of it is new. The story is one that's well known. We talked about it yesterday or the day before with Theranos, Enron, you name it. It's all the same. Uh, But he really, FTX was really one of the most trusted bands in crypto. It filed for uh, bankruptcy earlier this month. Its CEO and founder, as I mentioned, Sam Bankman-Fried, resigned, marking the implosion of his multi-billion dollar crypto empire. Now, the lawyers, again, for FTX uh, disclosed yesterday that a substantial amount of assets had been stolen from the accounts of the collapsed exchange. uh, And that lowers investors' chances of ever getting any of their money back. Um, And this came during this Chapter 11 court Yesterday in Delaware. Bankruptcy lawyer Jim Baer says the founder and former CEO could face charges here. Cryptocurrency has not been regulated in a material way. And because there is so little oversight, there's really room for abuse to take place. All right. So, what to make of all this? Because it's kind of hard to figure out exactly what happened unless you're paying very close attention. Um, essentially, It was a bit of a, according to allegations and pundits out there, it was a bit of a Ponzi scheme. It was also a bit of a plane crash and we can learn from that obviously. Um, But it also has eroded confidence in the industry itself and it's sparked some liquidity crises at other crypto firms. So to try to decipher all of this is somebody who knows this world very well. Yesha Yadev is a law professor and the associate dean of the Vanderbilt Law School, and uh, someone who's followed crypto very closely for a very long time. Uh, Yesha Yadiv, thank you so much for your time.
1: Ben, thank you so very much for having me. It's such a pleasure to be on your show today.
0: So we've gotten a bit of a peek behind the curtains of FTX, um, and it looks like chaos, doesn't it?
1: The FTX debacle would probably best be described as a complete cluster. Um, In fact, it's not just me saying it or other folks who are uh, commenting on it saying it, it's the actual current CEO saying it. Uh, when you look at the bankruptcy filing by Mr. John Ray III, who is an eminent bankruptcy expert of 40-something years' experience, in his opening acknowledgement in that filing, he basically said he'd never seen chaos like this before. And if you take a look at the filing, you'll see exactly why. Uh, most uh, bankruptcy filings in the U.S. go through some kind of order. You know, it's, there's some kind of order to it. There's documentation. There's some understanding of what went wrong. Oftentimes, there is a facility in place to fund that bankruptcy. There are contracts that have to be dealt with that are included in the filing as to what to do with them. In the case of FTX, there's just pure, unadulterated Game of Thrones, Red Wedding type of insanity that is falling off the page the minute you open it. There is no reliable documentation. There's no understanding of where the money is. There is no paper trail as to how to even find customer dollars here so um, this is uh, this is a chaos in the most perfect and epic sense and I don't think even the bankruptcy courts have seen anything like it
0: and we're talking about just a huge amount of money.
1: We are talking about significant amounts of money. The valuation put forward in the bankruptcy filing itself is between 10 to $50 billion assets and liabilities. And so we are definitely talking about significant amounts of money. In terms of the actual customer money itself, that is certainly well over $10 billion. So what's currently being looked for around the world are assets to the tune of around, you know, over $10 billion that can compensate the customers that have their money on FTX. But beyond that, of course, there's a lot more at stake here, Ben, as you can imagine, which is really the future of the crypto industry itself. It's really, um, and this is an indictment of the industry's practices because effectively, it's their biggest player, their most effervescent, their most visible, their most connected player in the entire ecosystem that has fallen.
0: Right. I guess once it all fell apart, the money, where is the money becomes the question. But prior to that, and uh, absolutely FTX, Sam bankman fried the CEO, they became sort of the poster for, you know, crypto done well. Tell me a bit about that. How did that happen considering what we now know was going on Behind the scenes, it seems like there was no due diligence that uh, there are accusations that Bankman Freed was using this as his personal bank account.
1: It's an incredible question because in some sense, it's an indictment on every credible institution that we have in our marketplace that gives validation and that provides a sense of comfort and security to those who are putting their money into risk. So, for example, this is not just the regulators who were completely dazzled by Sam Bankman-Fried. This is not just the Silicon Valley investors that were completely dazzled by Sam Bankman-Fried. In fact, it's people within the crypto industry, you know, itself. Um, that were incredibly persuaded by Sam bankman fried and really put him forward as the representative, as the bridge between the crypto industry and the mainstream as a way to try and create crypto as an asset class that would be viable, that would be taken seriously, that would be considered to be safe, not just by financial market participants, but by the public as a whole. And so, you know, this is an incredible tale of something far deeper that makes us want to believe in the myth that one person, in fact, can do it all. And, you know, we see this in the case of the, probably what's most galling for me is to see it in the case of the Silicon Valley investors, some of the hard, hardest noses, the hardest asses, you know, the Excel spreadsheet experts of the highest order, right? These are the folks that are taken in by him. If you look at Sequoia Capital's internal emails, it discusses the fact that they were enamored of Sam bankman fried And so we are seeing this, deeply human failure exhibited at the institutional level that has resulted in these tens of billions of dollars worth of losses for FTX.
0: a am Rider, that, that economics is often so human, right? Tell me a bit about uh, some of the institutional investors, of course, in Canada. One of the big stories has been Ontario teacher's pension plan had investments in FTX that they found quite secure, not a ton of money, you know, in the grand scheme of things for them, but still significant, somewhere around $100 million. What to make of the due diligence that would have been done here? Or were people just hoping not sort of fear of missing out if they didn't get involved early and really felt they needed to invest something in this burgeoning industry?
1: Ben, there was probably definitely a lot of FOMO. Teachers' pension plan was, is not the only Canadian um, institution to be investing in crypto. As you know, the Quebecois, I guess, de dépôt also invested in Celsius, for example, and that investment is certainly also in bankruptcy. And so there is definitely this sense of FOMO. What's interesting about the Teachers' Pension Plan, though, is that the Teachers' Pension Plan is actually famous for being a very good governor. So um, Teachers' Pension Plan has this stellar reputation for exercising. Really close uh, due diligence and on, on corporate governance related matters, and as far as I understand it, this ninety five million u s dollar investment was undertaken after significant levels of internal review. So, what does that tell you? right? This has gone through many different committees, risk committees to take a look at the viability of this investment, putting teachers' pensions into the FTX box. And it seemed to have passed those due diligence checks. Now, if you look at that passing and you look at the reality as is currently being exhibited, you have to ask questions. How could the diligence miss this? Now, certainly for us, in hindsight, it's very easy to look back and say, but obviously it was so evident that this thing was a house of cards. But when you look at some very obvious failures here, it's staggering as to why teachers, as well as the other venture capitalists like Sequoia and others did not pick up on this. So for example, some of the more egregious failures that have come to light include not having a board to speak off, you know, and, and what does a board mean? A board means accountability, right? As we see in the case of, you know, Enron or Theranos and other other places, having a board is essential to maintaining some kind of corporate governance and some some viability of the internal checks and balances. The auditing system was non-existent, as far as I could tell. There have been audits, but the auditor, as it Prager Matus, I believe it's called, has an office in the metaverse. These were the auditors that were coming to the fore. In terms of documentation, it appears that most of the record-keeping was done by SPF and a group of sort of 10, 20, 30-somethings. And the kind of quality of that Excel spreadsheet was galling with missing bits and pieces, with no kind of order to the particular entries that were being included, right? This was, a, this was an epic failure in internal record keeping. So how could these deeply problematic practices have passed muster at the highest echelons of investment decision-making? That's something that's going to be studied for a long time to come.
0: So what now? Because I can imagine that, All those who may have played, may have been a little liberal with their due diligence when investing in FTX are certainly not going to make that mistake again. So what happens to investments in crypto?
1: It's anybody's guess, Ben. It's a very dark time for the crypto ecosystem. Um, This was obviously an industry that was riding high last November, valuations of over $3 trillion. And the outlook was that crypto was becoming much, much more mainstream, much more deeply connected into the traditional financial system in very different ways. And FTX was very much at the forefront of that normalization. And now look at it. It's barely standing. Many in the crypto industry itself, including those who are evangelists for crypto, are actually questioning how things will or can or could move forward. Now, one of the big questions that is uh, pressing in the U.S. here is what to do about regulation. Now, crypto regulation has been a sticking point in D.C. In other words, that we have not had a comprehensive system of oversight for the crypto exchanges, for the cryptocurrency assets themselves and so forth. And so how to progress that as a means of creating credibility going forward is going to be one of the key issues to consider. Now, one thing to say for the Canadians, of course, is that Canada is far ahead in this regard. So as you know, uh, you guys had the Quadriga exchange failure a couple of years ago mm-hmm. um, and have since stepped up on the regulation in that context. And you do actually have, Canada has, a terrific system of registration for the crypto exchanges that does provide for many of the controls that are not being considered in the case of exchanges everywhere. Now, the problem that Canada has faced, of course, is the global regulatory decline and has not done anything even close to what the Canadians have done. So it's very easy, for example, for Canadian cryptocurrency uh, enthusiasts to trade offshore on exchanges like FTX international offshore. And so even though Canada has had its regulation, Canadians are still impacted, Canadian customers are impacted because they've been able to go offshore. So, you know, one of the big, you know, coming back to the original question, what's the regulation going to look like? That's going to be a key decision point going forward and essential to figuring out if and how and when some kind of credibility can come back to this industry.
0: It was clear from the FTS experience that countries such as the Bahamas in this case were were competing for these companies because of the promise of big returns, right?
1: Absolutely. And the there has been an international competition to attract crypto capital to uh, local shores. So in the case of Bahamas, they actually created an act the Digital Asset Registered Exchanges Act, the DARE Act 2020. And that was put forward as a comprehensive licensing system for crypto that attracted Sam Backman-Fried as well as other exchanges to come to the Bahamas in order to set up. Now, we can see that this created actually a great deal of interdependence between the Bahamian economy and FTX. Now, if you go to Bahamas, as folks have been doing since the debacle, there is a lot of FTX in the Bahamas, right? So as you mentioned, Ben, there's been a lot of buying and selling of real estate. There's been lots of you know employing of local folks, um, and so this has created a dependence between the Bahamian economy and FTX. And now, obviously, that dependence is going to come to a crashing halt, and actually result in in potential losses for the for the Bahamian economy going forward. So,
0: as someone who's watched this space so closely for so long, Yesha, what do we walk away with then as as people who haven't, who just heard sort of the evangelists talk about crypto, certain politicians championing crypto as some kind of alternative to inflation, for instance, what should we make of, of this collapse of FTX? Was this just a, um, an isolated incident or is there something rotten within the whole idea?
1: The... Idea behind, I mean, crypto is is essentially a technology, and it is something that is not a singular kind of definitional entity. What that I means, a, a, a very professorial way of saying that not all crypto is the same. So right. there are different kinds of crypto that. Uh, exist in a way that could be considered to be safer. So, for example, there are these things called stable coins, where you're supposed to have a one-to-one peg, whereby one token equals $1. And these stable coins have approximated for payment-related assets around the globe. Now, in Canada, as well as in the U.S., we don't necessarily worry about the safety of our payment system. We don't worry about the safety of our monetary system. And so we can consider crypto to be a kind of asset that we can use to build wealth and take risk. But in other countries, for example, crypto is considered as something that folks actually rely on as part of their everyday economies because their local monetary systems are either unreliable or potentially dangerous to the extent that you don't want to give away your personal information to banks and authorities and the like. And so, for example, in countries like Cuba, Venezuela, sanctioned countries, uh, you know, crypto has been used quite a lot within local economies in order to get access to services when we're thinking about crypto you know we are, are obviously have to think about the economy that's grown around it the greed the the sense of impunity the need to be ideologically away from regulation and things that certainly point to a a sense of renegade type of behavior within the industry but at the bottom of it, it's a technology, and how that technology is used, how that technology is considered is is a question that's quite apart from what the behavior of the current crypto industry's iteration has been over the last four or five years, and and certainly um, in the case of FTX as exemplified by it.
0: Yes, sir, Yadav, thank you so much.
1: Ben, thank you so very much for having me. It was such a pleasure to speak to you today.